Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Today, we are back in our series called Who Cares? Everyone say that with me. Who cares? And we're really talking about, well, God cares. Jesus cares. In the series, we're trying to learn about how to grow a heart of compassion like Jesus. We're trying to grow a heart like his. We're in a theme verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. We're going to read it out loud all together on the screen. Ready? Go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Go back one slide, please. In my own devotional reading this week, this is in our Bible reading plan, and it says he's the father of compassion. So if you think compassion is a good idea, the Bible claims God is the source of all of it. He's a compassionate God. And he is the God of all compassion, the God who comforts us in some of our troubles, all of our troubles. I just want to tell you today before we get into what I actually came here to talk to you about, if you came here with any trouble in your heart at all, in any pain in your heart at all, there is a God who's here in this place who has come to bring comfort to you in all of our troubles. If you have any trouble in your heart, any struggle, any stress, anything you're anxious about, anything you're grieving about. Jesus has said, come to my table and I want to comfort you. He doesn't come for us in some of our troubles. He has come to comfort us in all of our troubles and he has plenty of it to share with you today. This is the God that we worship in this place. He's the God of all comfort, the God of compassion. And not only that, But he gives us comfort and gives us compassion so that we not only just receive it for ourselves, but so we can go and share it with the world that is in desperate need of comfort and compassion as well. So we're in this series. Now, here's what we're going to do today. Today, I want to talk to you about a really important truth that, um, how do I say this? I want to talk to you about an important truth I think a lot of people struggle with. And I just want to say it here. I deeply struggle with what we're going to talk about today. So don't worry, I'm not going to breathe fire in everybody. It's not a guilt trip type of a Sunday. It's kind of like a, man, we're all in this together. It's too easy to fall into this type of a day. So this is an important truth. Now, uh, one thing that we're going to do, we're going to return to passage we read two weeks ago and the pastor Jose taught him. We're going to talk about the story of the Good Samaritan, which is just in part of common nomenclature in Western civilization for crying out loud in our own town. We have a hospital called Good Samaritan, right? This is why. It's from the teachings of Jesus. So we're going to return to Luke chapter 10. We're starting verse 25 about the story of the Good Samaritan. And no, you're like, doesn't Pastor Trevor know that Jose already taught on that? We know, we know. But we have something in addition that we want to say. We're going to take a second lap around. And there's more fruit on this tree that we want to cover with y'all for this series. So Luke 10, 25. This is Jesus here. And this is what the gospel writer Luke says to us. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, which is normally a bad idea. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He said, how do you read it? He answered, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, Lord, um, and who, who is my neighbor? And replied, Jesus went, shoo. That's not what he said. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Oh, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, those dirty Samaritans, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, looked after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Couldn't even say Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, you go and do likewise. So Jesus We're here today not because um, those of us who self-identify as followers of you, love you, and worship you. Um, we want to be like you. Lord, we don't, we don't only admire you, we want to become like you. And that's the offer that you give to anybody who wants to follow you. You not only offer forgiveness and reconciling us to the Father, you offer transformation. And I think all of us can agree, regardless of where our faith journey is here today, or anybody's listening to this maybe later online, um, that we all agree that to become compassionate people is a good thing the world desperately needs. And I believe you're the source of all compassion. So would you teach us and transform us into your image today? In your wonderful name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, quick background on what we just read. Uh, this here is a parable. This isn't a real story. Jesus is telling a story to illustrate a point. So if you, you, you won't go to an archaeology dig and find this is where the good Samaritan took care of the man who was half dead. This is a story Jesus was telling. And he told us parables, which are stories to prove a point. Two weeks ago when Pastor Jose taught on this, when Pastor Dale taught on this at, in our Loxahatchee campus, uh, we really talked about the point of this is who is my neighbor? That was the point of it. And this is what the man was doing, trying to justify himself, which if you're trying to justify yourself in front of Jesus, that also is a bad idea. So who is my neighbor? Really, there's three points to this. There's first off, well, no one's your neighbor. And this is what the robbers did. Their idea was, well, what's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. And there are people in this world who behave and act this way. There's some people who think, I don't have anybody who's my neighbor, and I'm going to take what does not belong to me. And that's evil. That's wrong. 
But then there are also people who might think, well, I have no neighbors, but then I'm my own neighbor. I'm going to put me first. I'm going to get me mine. I'm my own neighbor, and what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And this is what the priest did, the Levite did, which is interesting. It's the professionally religious people of the day. The Levites were the ones who took the oaths to um, live a religiously zealous life. They're the ones who helped took care of the temple. They had an amazing calling on their life. The priests were the ones who took care of the sacrifices. They're different offices. Both think of it as like pastors and priests today. And Jesus calls them out and says, they're the ones who are messing it up, which makes somebody like me, what I do for a living, should make me swallow hard and look twice at my life, right? Pastor Dale always says that he heard, um, I, this, we went to the same seminary, so I heard the story too, but he was in the room when he heard this. A legendary seminary professor once told people, once you have committed to go into full-time Christian ministry, you've increased your chances of going to hell by 50%. <sighs> anyway, I digress. So, there's that. But then he talks about the Good Samaritan, which honestly, when he brought it up for them, it was a form where Jews were honestly racist towards Samaritans. They're people who are outside of Judaism, who are living in Israel, and they, they, was, they wouldn't even eat at the same table as the Samaritan. It was a bad, bad, bad thing. And Jesus says, and that person who you despise, they're the ones who fulfill the law, not you in your self-righteousness. And so what do they do? Anybody can be my neighbor. That's what the Samaritan teaches. The Samaritan teaches us that anybody can be my neighbor and what belongs to me isn't mine, it's God's and I'm here to manage it. And that's what we talked about two weeks ago in this passage. Now that leaves us with one huge glaring question. Awesome. How do you do that? How do you actually act out love for anybody could be my neighbor and what's mine is God's and I'm here to manage it. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're here to talk about it today. Now, what happened in this passage uh, is totally different than the world that we live in today. Completely different. Um, For instance, like nowadays, because of things like media, and because of television, and because of the internet, and because of globalism, and all sorts of stuff, we are aware of everything. Just think about it. Do you remember a day and time, maybe it was when you were younger, maybe it was before everything really blew up with media in the world, but back in the day, the only type of suffering that you knew about was the suffering in your life. And the only poverty that you saw was the poverty in your town. And the only tragedy that you heard of was one through your family and friends. And nowadays, because of things like this, you can find out what's going on the other side of the world and all the suffering and all the poverty and all the pain and all the tragedy all the time, 24-7. Multi-billion dollar industry. If you're not doing it with this, you're definitely doing it with this. Live stream to your pocket. Right? And if you sit in this chair long enough doing this, eventually it's easy to kind of quit caring, Right? Because it's just too much, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay, don't, you know, we can be real in church. Don't lie in church, Jesus is watching. (laughs) Like, when there's so much bad news out there, it's hard to keep caring all the time, right? Anybody, it's called compassion fatigue. Anybody else feeling worn out by some of that stuff? Yes, it's okay, I have. It's hard to care about everything all the time. It's super hard. In fact, sometimes what we just want to do is like, oh, that's horrible. I want to watch something else. Oh, that's horrible. I'm going to look at something else. When I was a kid, I grew up um, traveling all over the country. I wasn't like a circus 
you know, brat or whatever. Just we went on a lot of vacations. And my family invested in 1991 in a Ford Aerostar. And here's a picture of a, of a, like a van I grew up in all over the country. Did anybody else here have a Ford Aerostar like that? Yes, right, right. And uh, so um, my family just, I spent so much time in this minivan here. And we had our favorite cassette tapes that we had. My brother and I joke about this all the time because we didn't have a CD player. We only had cassette players. Um, for anybody who's born after 2000s, cassette players, before we had phones, you could just touch any song you wanted. It was a thing that you put in a thing and you closed it and you played it and you put music on. It was unbelievable. It was before records when people don't, you know, what, it was after records, whatever. I digress. And so like Amy Grant, I remember we had Amy Grant's huge album from the 80s that we listened to. And we had Michael Bolton. My mom and dad loved Michael Bolton. We had all those 80s-tastic things and early 90s things. Well, my parents also, someone gave them a cassette tape of a stand-up comedian. And it sparked my eternal love of stand-up comedy. And it was Jeff Foxworthy's classic, You Might Be a Redneck If. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember this? Yeah, yeah. So this little cassette tape, I must have listened to 500 times growing up. And it's still funny to this day when, when I listened to it. Now, I heard Jeff Foxworthy say, which is funny now, he doesn't come out with cassette tapes anymore. He comes out with specials on Netflix. Oh, how the world has changed, right? I remember he was talking one time about how he quit watching the news. And he's joking when he's talking about this. He's like, I quit watching the news after a while because it's just so depressing, you know, it's so depressing, man. He got to a point where he's like, man, if it doesn't happen to Americans, I kind of don't care at this point. It's kind of sad, but he was just being truthful about it. And he was telling a joke about a country, a third world country. Again, this is a joke. This is pretend. It's like that he heard about in a third world country about how he was watching on TV and how a bus full of 300 people fell off of a cliff. And he's watching and he went, Good Lord, how do you fit 300 people on a bus? It, you know, when you, it becomes a physics problem, it takes the sting out of it, right? It's a joke, but he's illustrating something I want to make very clear to everybody today. This chair, symbolically, and this remote, symbolically, this might be the most dangerous thing in your house. Pastor Trevor, are you fundamentalist and saying God hates TV? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the most dangerous thing in your house because of all the news and all the bad things that are live streamed right to our TVs or right to our phones or right to our social media feeds. And you know what you can do now? You just change the channel. Because it's easier to not care. It's easier to change the channel. It's easier to quit answering your phone. It's easier to quit looking people in the eye. And it's just easier to turn your heart off. And to set it, just keep feeling the suffering and the pain and the tragedy of the world. We all have done this, haven't we? I can't take it anymore. And this is what our culture has taught us to do. 
If you're not careful, your soul will go numb to the things that breaks the heart of God. Now, that presents a problem. How do you not go numb when there's so much suffering that no one person can absorb or respond to all the pain and suffering in the world, let alone the pain and suffering just in my own life and the people around me? We can respond to all that. How do you do this? Well, so you can see it clearly in the passage. You see the priest and the Levite, they cross on the, they see the Samaritan and they go, ugh. And they go on the other side of the road. They change the channel. They avoid it. They go on the other side. But the Samaritan responds, it says he responds with the word pity. Pity. He responds with pity. See, this is how the passage begins. It's not how it ends. He responds with pity. What is pity? This is when you bestow compassion upon somebody. This is when you're moved deeply in your heart by someone or something. He allows himself to feel it. He doesn't change the channel. Think about a time in your life when you're moved deeply by the pain and suffering of another person. And you allowed yourself to feel it and you didn't change the channel. This is important. Because if you change the channel enough in your own heart, you'll go numb. And scripture talks about guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You got to keep your heart soft. And so he has feels for this half dead man. He feels for him. He doesn't go on the other side of the road. He doesn't turn away. He doesn't change the channel. And he responds. He has pity and he's moved and he does something about it. Now, here's what's fascinating that you need to know. This is getting to the hows and the practicals of some of this stuff. He doesn't try to help every half-dead man on the road everywhere in the world always. He just helps the one that's right in front of him. Does that make sense? Pastor Andy Stanley has this great axiom that I think is so helpful in our day and age. He says this, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. He's not helping every single person who's been abused by a robber ever. He's helping the one that God has put in front of his path. He's doing for one what he wished he could do for all. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this as an anecdotal verse. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's a story about a young girl who was on a beach and the, 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 uh, the ocean had washed up thousands of starfish. And you know, if a starfish cuts, gets out of the water, they'll die. And so this little girl is trying to pick up one starfish at a time, just trying to throw them all back into the ocean one at a time, she's trying to throw them back, throw them back, throw them back, throw them back. And um, she's just a little girl. And this older man walks up to her. He's an adult, and he kind of scoffs at her. He goes, <laughs> he looks around at the thousands of starfish all around and says to her, what difference are you going to make, sweetheart? And the little girl looked at him, took a deep breath, and grabbed another starfish and threw it. 
and then looked at the older man and said, well, I made a difference for that one. And this is what God has called us to. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip over a whole bunch of stuff. I want you to hear me. We end up trying to do for one what you wish you could do for all, but you can't. If you're willing to respond with compassion and pity and feel for another person and then do something about it. Because remember, that's the difference between compassion and empathy. Empathy just feels for another person. Compassion feels for them and then does something about it. This will require your action. This will require your time. This will require you being inconvenienced. And by the way, did you know you'll find God more in the inconvenient interruptions of your life than your perfect schedule? It will even require of you to be open-handed with your resources and your money. And say, here God, it's not mine, it's yours. It costs something. It requires a response and an openness. But if you do, you will experience the joy of not just helping somebody in need, you'll experience the joy of what it looks like to become like Jesus. Which, look at him. When he saw all of us, we were in need, separated from God. Jesus moved in compassion and pity upon us. Came to this earth. Stretch out his arms on the hardwood of the cross. It required of him his pain. It was deeply inconvenient. And it cost him what mattered most. And because he stretched out his arms on the hardwood of the cross, he opened up his arms for the whole world to come within the reach of his saving embrace. This is what it means to follow Jesus. That we take this posture as well. Though it may cost me, I'll respond to those in need and compassion. By the way, so remember the little girl with the starfish I was telling you about? She threw the one, told the other one made a difference for that one. The older man looked at her and went, huh. You ever heard a little kid put you in your place before? Uh Huh. And then he started grabbing starfish and started throwing them. And then people saw the two of them doing it. And then everybody else at the beach started grabbing starfish and started throwing them. Everybody, one by one, and they saved all of them. Praise God. You do for one what you wish you could do for all. And maybe, just maybe, God will add to your number and to my number. And we'll make a dent in the darkness of this world. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we receive everything that you have offered to us. Your mercy, your grace, your restoration, your forgiveness of sins, your comfort, and your compassion for us. We receive it all. Transform us. And send us forth from this place, not just as hoarders of your grace and mercy and compassion, but those who go out like beggars to tell other beggars where we have found bread. 
because we found it in here at your table. We pray all this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Would you please stand? So friends, may the God of peace, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.